Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This is Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on the home of Cork's Greatest Hits. Cork's Greatest Hits. Cork's, Cork's, Cork's Greatest Hits. C103. Uh, very good morning to you. That certainly is a miserable weather forecast. This looks like rain, rain and more rain for the day. So stay indoors. Good news is that tomorrow Friday uh, it's going to be brighter and a better day and there will be some sunny spells. So we do have that to look forward to. Uh, John Paul taking your calls today. Anything you want to share with us? Uh, we always love to hear from you. 1850-333-103. Texting and WhatsApp 0862-103-103. We continue today with our competition that we're running across this week in association with the Everyman. Uh, the Everyman are having a, a much anticipated show which is going to open on Saturday the 13th of October running through until the following Saturday the 20th of October. It is the Nightingale and the Rose a night of operatic enchantment and we have tickets today for two uh, two sets of two tickets along with Dinner for Two a Greens restaurant. Uh, we have a pair of tickets with Dinner for Tuesday the 16th of October and a pair of tickets and Dinner for Two for the performance on Wednesday the following night the 17th of October. Famous Roses, that's what it's all about this week. We play a piece of audio clip from somebody whose name is either Rose, fictional name Rose, or has some connection to the name or the word Rose. Today, we're asking you to identify somebody who became a famous Rose. Listen carefully. Honestly, wholeheartedly, I wasn't expecting to win. Give it that one again. Honestly, wholeheartedly, I wasn't expecting to win. Okay, that is a famous rose. We'll play it again a little bit later on, giving you the opportunity to contact us and hopefully to win away, uh, walk away with that wonderful prize, uh, compliments of the Everyman. And you can check out ticket information on everymancork.com. Coming up on the programme this morning, we are going to hear in a couple of minutes what's been described as controversial plans to reopen a quarry near Leem Lara. We'll hear from one local councillor who said the news was devastating and she'll join us uh, to raise what she sees are very serious concerns about the opening, reopening of this quarry near Leem Lara. Be interested to hear from anybody living in the area and your thoughts and views on the reopening of the uh, quarry. Planning permission has been granted this week. 
so we will catch up and find out more about that story today. Also hoping to uh, speak with somebody who attended the rally yesterday in Dublin. This was the Raise the Roof rally in Dublin, which we're told drew more than 10,000 people uh, turned out just to voice their concerns and their worries about the housing crisis. And I was talking with John Paul before we came on air this morning. We were looking at some of the newspaper coverage of this particular rally. And John Paul was making the point that it's been a long time, I suppose, since we've seen a rally that's crossed all of the generations. Nearly every generation was represented there because we're back in a situation that we haven't seen for many, many, many years in this country where people literally cannot afford a mortgage and you have adult children who never left home. People are still in their 20s, out at work and everything, but just cannot uh, afford to go out and buy a house, can't afford to even rent a house. I mean, if they're living certainly in any of the city areas, not a hope in hell. On If you're starting out in a job and you haven't gone up the ladder yet and certainly not gone up the salary ladder very very difficult if you want to try to rent a place let alone try to save a deposit and go on to buy a house so a lot of these adult children are remaining at home we also now are seeing an increase in the number of adult children in their 30s and even into their 40s who are returning home back into their old the bedroom where they were as teenagers Uh, many of them doing it in order to try to save money and try to get the money together for uh, a mortgage and of course uh, I saw read an interesting report during the week showing that because as people are getting older buying their houses they're not going to have the house paid off in their in their working lifetime so they're going to be heading into retirement and they'll still have part of their mortgage left to pay off and that's not something we've seen in this country before anyway but certainly it was reflected yesterday in all of the generations were represented at that uh, rally so we'll talk about that we already had actually a text in about it from a listener that says the big protest that went on yesterday Patricia, my main query is how can such a crowd gather in the middle of the week in the middle of the day in Dublin have they no work to go to how do they intend to pay for a house if they're not out working we're both working in this house and we need to in order to pay the mortgage who is wrong Uh, Patricia says a uh, texter wondering well I suppose some will say maybe they took time off because people came from all over the country, including seeming there was a large contingency from Cork uh, headed up. Um, it's it's There would be a proportion of the people who attended that rally absolutely are not at work. They're, they're living on social welfare. But you assume that people factored that in and maybe took a day off work. But I know the point you're making. If you are struggling with two wages coming in to a house, you possibly couldn't even have afforded to take a day off and head to Dublin for the day to protest about what's going on with the housing crisis. I, I accept your point. Uh, thank you for your text to 0862 103 103. Somebody's wondering, is there any information on the water off in the Ballybane area of Liscarroll. It's off since yesterday evening. Thanking you, uh, Seamus. We'll check in. Uh, John Paul is going to check in with Irish Water on that. Just by the way, on water, we did get something in from Cork County Council uh, to say that there is a change to a water outage. The date is changing to tomorrow. 
uh, I assume it was meant to be today. Yeah, it was meant to be today, but it's been changed to tomorrow. And this is a water outage for Donnerail and Bottlefield. Upgrading work has to go ahead on the system. They're not now doing that work today. They're going to do it tomorrow instead from half past nine until six. And that's going to be rather inconvenient for business people who would have been expecting the water outage today, would have put plans in place now to discover the water outage is tomorrow instead. I don't know why, but County Council and Irish Water apologise for any inconvenience caused. That's water outage, Donnerell, Bottovent. You have your water today, but you won't have it tomorrow. We're also on the programme today going to discuss how the county area will be affected by the redrawing of the city boundary. We know county councillors were very much against losing part of their domain and it going into the city. We know the city council were very much delighted to see their boundary being extended because obviously it's going to bring more money into their coffers. But at what expense to the county? And the issue was raised in Dáil Éireann today and the memories of Michael Collins uh, was uh, evoked in the council chambers uh, this week or in the Dáil chambers this week. So we'll talk about that. But I but also, uh, let's just get talking about this. We know the boundary changes are to happen. How are people in the county feeling about it? How are people feeling who are were in are at the moment part of Cork County Council and they will then come under the remit of Cork City Council? Do they worry that their services may be affected even though the City Council say no, all services will be uh, the same? So your thoughts and comments welcomed uh, on that. Will we see an end to daylight saving hours? This topic is back again making the papers. EU Commission now are really adamant that they're going to push this through. They're going to end daylight saving hours. We now need to get all of the member states to agree over the years. We've been talking about this for a few years now uh, and normally it's around the time that the clocks, the coming up to the clocks going back in October, we'll get people complaining about it and then the debate starts. Should we end daylight saving hours? It comes up every year but it's just the last year or so. There's been a big pushed by the European Commission to say now time to end this. It was introduced during the First World War at a very different time to what we have now. We don't need to be doing these daylight saving hours uh, anymore. But I read a really interesting article in the paper during the week that mentioned the fact that it looks like we're going to stop putting the clocks forward and back within a year or two. But what about Brexit? What if the government of the United Kingdom decide to say, well, we don't have to play by the rules of the EU uh, and we're going to stick with daylight saving hours. What that's what is that going to mean? Well, it straight away would mean on this little island of Ireland, we could be having two different time zones. You could be having the north out of sync with the south and God help the people that live on or near the border and the implications uh, for them. So your thoughts on daylight saving hours. Uh, a North Cork man will be joining us uh, talking about how his life has been touched by Alzheimer's uh, disease and it's been touched twice. Uh, so he'll share his story with us and also talk about why he's decided to do something for the daycare centre, the Alzheimer Daycare Centre in uh, Mallow and the great work that goes on the Alzheimer Daycare Centre in Mallow and we'll be giving details of his fundraising efforts in, in the hope that people uh, will be generous and uh, will help out. We'll have a member from Gardaí Corner join us for Crime File and then Jane Pickett will join us in the final hour of the programme from the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital. So that means if you've got a pet question, get it in throughout the morning and we'll put it to Jane in the uh, final hour. 
You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Mary from Middleton, one of our listeners, has Christmas on her mind and she's contacted us this morning uh, wondering if any of our listeners know of hotels that are open on Christmas Day to non-residents in the Cork or Kerry area. She would like to go out for Christmas dinner, uh, willing to travel Cork or Kerry, but she doesn't want to stay overnight because a lot of the hotels uh, do open at Christmas, but it's for residents and they'll do a package where you'll come and stay for a couple of days and, you know, you might have a, something special happening on Christmas Eve and then you've got your Christmas Day dinner and you'll hang around for St. Stephen's Day and then away you go. Uh, but what Mary wants is just to go to the hotel, spend Christmas Day, Christmas dinner, just go there for her meal. Does anybody know Cork or Kerry areas, please, hotels open on Christmas Day. 1853 333103 or text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Now, as I mentioned, controversial plans to reopen a quarry near Leem Lara are to be appealed, having been given the green light. And despite campaigners' fears for road safety and also increased traffic flow once the quarry is up and running, Cork County Council planners decided to approve the reopening of the quarry on Tuesday with the condition that €1 million Euro would be invested in the road infrastructure. Local Sinn Féin Councillor Daniela Toomey said the news was devastating and uh, she joins me uh, to talk about her concerns. Good morning to you, Daniela. Good morning. Uh, and you're, anyway, I'm very well. Firstly, how long has this quarry been closed? Because we're talking about the reopening opening of it? As far as I'm aware, it's been closed for, I'd say, 30-odd years. I'm, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's when it was last opened, anyway, it was a bit beyond my time. And, um, and what are the main concerns by local people when, when news went around that they were planning to reopen it? Well, you see, when, when we found out, I think the residents came across this planning permission by accident because, unfortunately, Roadstone never um, engaged in any public consultation um, with the residents. So I think, you know, I wasn't even aware that this planning permission had been, um, had been lodged. And by the time I'd found out about it, it was too late for submissions. Now, I, technically, it wouldn't be in my um, jurisdiction, but the you know the residents that would be affected are um, they lodged the application um, last year on the twentieth of December, and the application is basically for the excavation of thirty thousand tons of stone. Um, you know everything that comes with that. You know, you're talking dust, contamination, you're talking, I mean, they're going to be blasting. So a lot of this area is very rural and a lot of the residents would have their own, um, <clears throat> sorry, um, I'm a bit sick today. Um, you're very, you're, you're doing well, you're doing well. I know, for example, that some of the locals are concerned about water contamination. Well, you see, where the location of this quarry actually sits directly on a tributary that feeds the Onakura River. It's a couple of hundred yards from a pumping station and the Onakura River feeds two reservoirs with drinking water. It feeds the whole of Middleton with drinking water and it gives the, it, it goes to Tibbetstown, um, which supplies Cove, um, Glenmire, um, Carretool. So, I mean, you're talking 12,500 homes that could potentially be con- have their drinking water contaminated. And one of the submissions from that was from Irish Water stated that they had concerns of this, you know. Um, and to me, I just couldn't understand how 
this has the potential to affect so many people, yet planning permission was granted. I mean, and I'm just wondering, do, do we know for sure that when you have a quarry in an area that there is a danger of water com- contamination? Is there a link between the work that goes on at quarries and water contamination? Yes, well, I mean, you know, it's just the location of this quarry. You know, it sits on a river. They're going to be, you know, there is going to be runoff. There, I mean, there's going to be dust. There's going, you know, there is a high likelihood that it, it will be contaminated. The water will be contaminated. Um, you know, like I suppose they have to, they have strict guidelines and they have to stay within those guidelines. But when does, like, things happen and, you know, it's a big risk to take. Yeah, I know I read uh, a piece from one of the local action groups in the area who are very much against this quarry and they were mm-hmm. making the point that Roadstone intend to quarry below the natural the water, water table. table and yeah. that's a step into the unknown. We don't really know what's going to happen when they start blasting under the natural water table. So you could see why locals, uh, particularly people who've got septic yeah. tanks and their own wells in the area, for example. That's it. And I mean, I know that the residents, the action group, they um, they hired an independent hydrologist to um, undertake a report that was submitted. Um, you know, and the hydrolo- hydrologist had serious concerns because, I mean, I'm not an expert at things like this, but I mean, I would fear that, you know, going below the water table, if, if that is something that hasn't been done, you know, a lot, and we don't know what could happen, why are we taking that risk? Yeah, it is. It is. It's a step, as I said, it's a step into the uh, unknown. And I know you said that Roadstone uh, didn't, you know, inform the public. By law, legally, they don't have to have any no. uh, meetings, but it's just kind of, it's, it's good work practice, isn't it? You know and what I mean? you know what? It's common courtesy. Yeah. It's a huge development and it's a fairly rural area. And it's, a, you know, it's a fairly close-knit community. Um, I think, you know, any, any development of this size really it should be written into law that you know they have to they have to um consult the public because it that's who it affects directly i mean if if they were if this goes ahead and now i know that um the the locals are planning on appealing it and i would support them 100 percent in that but if this goes ahead you're, you're talking about 160 trucks a day on roads that cannot take cars never mind um, trucks. Now, I know that one million is the only condition on the planning permission was that one million had to be invested in the local road structure from Roadstone, but one million is not enough to really strengthen those roads for to cater for the amount of lorries and trucks that are going to use it. And not to mention that you're talking about 160 trucks full of dust that are going to be going past a small children's school. I mean, like, it's, that's not right. OK, and according to the East Cork Journal, when they contacted Roadstone looking for a comment, they, they failed to do so. And I always feel with companies like this, you know, talk to the people, have those public meetings, allay people's mm. fears. Because mm. a lot of this is fear of the unknown. People just don't know what's go- what's going to happen and I know the East Coast Journal also saying the Cork County Council unable to comment on a planning uh, application uh, because now the four, the until the four week period has elapsed I, I'm assuming this is going to be appealed Yes yeah. um, I, I I know the action group are dead set on appealing it and I would 100% support them on that um, I, like there was I'd say, I think around 50 
objections went into this planning permission, 50 objections when, when I looked at the planning file. And for 50, obje- 50 individual objections to be ignored like that, it really raises questions. Um, Michael in Castledown-Bear says, Patricia, was the quarry in question before the Petitions Commission in Brussels about nine or ten years ago? Do you know nine or ten years ago, did they try to open the quarry before? You don't, you don't have any memory of that? I don't know. I'm, that It could be true. Yeah. Um, I, I think I've actually vaguely heard something about that, but I, I don't have any knowledge of that, to be honest. All right. All right. Well, uh, Michael is like a walking encyclopedia in Castletown Bear for things like that, and he normally is, is never wrong, so it might be worth looking into that. And somebody yeah. else says, I live alongside a, a quarry in Skull in West Cork. It's unreal, the noise and the dirt everywhere yeah. yeah it is a case yeah. that nobody wants to live near one that's for sure okay listen we'll keep a close eye on this story keep us updated uh, Daniela and thanks a million for joining us today no problem thank uh, you and hope you feel better soon taking out <laughs> of your sick, sick bed God bless you bye bye take care that is uh, Sinn Féin Councillor Daniela Toomey um, as I say we will keep an eye on that uh, particular story because that is now going to be appealed uh, the reopening of that quarry near Leem Lara Daniela reckons probably around 30 years uh, ago since it was closed 1850 John Paul taking your calls text WhatsApp 0862 Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. And some of your texts coming in on that quarry story and the reopening of the quarry near, near, near Liam Lara and the local objections to it. One texter says, says, Trish, those cranks of objectors will close this country down completely. I think you're being a little bit unfair there. I mean, there are genuine concerns around the reopening of this uh, quarry, not just from local people. It isn't just a case of not in my backyard. I mean, that uh, uh, listener from Skull was saying, they live near one they know the inconvenience and the noise and the dust and all of that but in fairness to the to the people in Leem Lara it's not just the inconvenience I mean you also have Irish Water and the HSE both saying they have concerns and one of the most serious being this potential for water contamination so it isn't just a case of that it's inconvenient and I don't want to live uh, near it and I mentioned the housing rally that went on in Dublin the Raise the Roof rally in Dublin um, on the housing issue Texter says Morning Patricia the homeless situation is out of hand it's ridiculous I was watching yesterday's leaders questions says this texter it made me so angry I'm not normally an angry person which is why I try not to watch leaders questions but our Taoiseach is so out of touch it's unbelievable I can't believe that he could stand up in the doll and try to defend his position on housing he really does have his head very much up his I want to say the A word but let's leave it at he has his head in the clouds Cop on, please cop on. Uh, the people are talking. He needs to listen. Uh, that's my text. Thank you for that to 0862103103. Let's stay on the topic of the Taoiseach because the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar has been called on to follow in the steps of Irish revolutionary Michael Collins and stand up for Cork County over the changes to be made to the city and county boundaries. The call came from a Dáil deputy who shares the same name. And Deputy Michael Collins joins me to discuss his concerns around the boundary changes. Good morning to you, Michael. 
Uh, good morning, Patricia. And you're welcome to the programme. What are your main concerns um, about the county um, losing areas to the city when the new boundary arrangements come in? What, what are your biggest concerns at the moment? Well, it, it looks like the, that um, with this uh, city uh, extension uh, to the boundaries, uh, we will uh, have a massive loss of, of, of commercial rates uh, to the county, uh, of, of property tax to the, count, uh, to the county, of planning uh, contributions to the county. And that is you know, these are the most lucrative parts uh, that are going to be uh, taken from from the county into into the city, and this has been, you know, there's been reports after reports coming out over the last number of years saying, you know, what a great idea this is and what a great plan should be for Cox City, uh, but there was no report came out and gave uh, gave us a clear understanding of the losses this is going to be for the county. Now we were led to believe, and, and I certainly didn't take um, take the bait with these reports that were coming out that there should be a ten year compensation package put in place and oh, 10 years is very short but at least if it was ring fence for 10 years and a proper compensation package which hasn't been told to us, to us in the county yet what it's going to be at least you'd know where you stood now we find out uh, because I've attended two of the meetings where all the Oireachtas members were invited to both uh, TDs and Senators uh, we found out in the two meetings uh, by the county, the Cork County Council that this is not going to be ring fenced for t- 10 years it could be reviewed in the first three years yeah. and it has the potential of being reviewed maybe in the first few months. We also find out now that the city will not be compelled to pay the compensation, which initially we were led to believe that they would, and it could lead, and what we'll see down the road, and the worry of the county council, and I can see that, and, and it should be a worry for the city council, is that both of them could end up inside the court fighting a legal case, which is the most, uh, which is the worst case scenario. Now I asked the Taoiseach, um, at, in leaders' questions on, on Tuesday, first of all, would he sideline the plan and look at it because it has a whole lot of slippery banana skins in this one uh, for, for, for rural parts of, of County Cork. Uh, I did mention to the people of Ballincolligan there are thousands have signed petitions. Now, the petitions have got lost. Uh, the people of Glenmire, the people of Blarney, the people of Cork County, the councillors from all parties and independents in, in, in council chambers have all voted against this or have, have, have said it's a bad plan and they don't want to be put into the city uh, or they don't want this plan to go ahead. But every um, uh, piece of democracy here, Patricia, has been railroaded so that this plan goes ahead. The Taoiseach said that he wants cock to grow. I'd love to think where is he going to house all the people that he, he that, uh, that the growth that he's expecting as he's expecting to grow by 50% by 25 Yeah, actually I was, it was one of the things because I, I watched your piece to in the doll where you were asking Leo Varadkar um, to respond um, and I he was talking about you know how his ambitious plans for Cork City and uh, this population growth of 50% by 2040 which isn't you know it's a little over 20 years away and, and what struck me straight away was exactly what you've just said there where are they going to house those people? Absolutely again I, I think that the Taoiseach's reply is based on reports reports are very very very, very suspicious of reports because they're always tailored to suit the person that that, that initiates the report you, you heard last week about um, the recruitment of nurses and that wages wouldn't be an issue in a report you know that was crazy report because it will be an issue but this on this issue um, alone 
I, when we looked at the reports initially, and I, I had other people to look at it just in case, you know, I was reading it wrong myself, we knew this was going to be a shocking bad plan for the Cork County and going forward. And I called a motion at that time in the Dáil, which is difficult because I had to get the, the consent from TDs from Kerry, from Galway, from Clare, from Tipperary, from Dublin, to agree to a motion uh, about Cork County, basically. For and, and at that time, no Cork TD... Are, uh, supported um, me. So basically, the, the, the deputy leaders and the leaders of parties cracked the whip. And I mentioned their name, and I don't mention names in the doll. I'm very, very slow in doing that, but I knew I had, I, I knew by the, the, the previous statements they had made they were supporting, and that was Michal Martin and, and Simon Coveney, that they are supporting this going forward. And if they're supporting this, they're supporting the Cox City uh, extension uh, for the growth of Cox City, where there's no housing available for people to go into. And they're, and they're in doing so, and I said that in relation to General Michael Collins, govern for urban and rural, not go- govern for one and not another. That's not showing true leadership. Um, yeah, and, there and is, the, there the is very country. much the sense, and I even got it listening to Leo Varadkar, that this is all about the city. It's all about the expansion of the city. And we love our city and we want to see our city expand and we want to see it be the best that it can be. But it can't come at the expense of the county. And sadly, that's what's going to happen here. And, and, and you know, I, I sort of glance the slaughter when I see uh, deputies from, from the Cork County voting uh, against my motion. They were voting against their own constituency. They were voting against their own people. And, and another thing, too, I don't think the city and the city council, I think, will have to talk for themselves. I don't think they want to be in a position to be paying compensation to the county. That should be done by the department. The department has come in with this idea here. They're railroading through. They're giving no choice to the people here. And, 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 and unfortunately, either the city council or the Cork County Council, I can guarantee you in a few years' time will be inside, in the, inside fighting a legal case, looking, seeking compensation that was promised, but promises are very dangerous here. Well, the, well the City Council are not going to be, it would be utter madness for them to financially cripple themselves by handing the money over to the county and then they don't have money for services in, in the city. Of course they're going to renege on a payment if, if, if they don't have the money. And there's a loophole there for them at this present time with the new, latest report that they can do that. Now, the county mayor, Patrick John Murphy, is coming to Dublin today. That's today, to yeah. And, yeah. And, and his colleagues um, and, and, and council officials are coming to Dublin today to meet with the, the parties. They're meeting with myself and independents here to try and get a clear understanding of the seriousness of the situation. The seriousness of it I've seen uh, over 12 months ago coming this way um, like a train is going to hit us and we're standing there at the track. Unfortunately, others haven't. And now we're, we're in a very serious situation go forward and it will lead to huge losses in the county. I asked the, the teacher could he give me a, an estimate of the services that lost, the revenue that's lost All the only guarantee is that he's, that he'll do his best to make sure that that won't happen that's not, that's not good enough here. See that's, that's something I've mentioned before, there is no figures written down that this is how much the county is going to lose, this is how much the city is going to gain, this is how much compensation the county is going to need uh, to, so that the, the financial loss isn't going to affect services. There's there's nothing written down. We've no idea how much this compensation package, if it does come through for the 10 years, which I would even, um, listening to you, I don't think we, it'll, it'll happen for 10 years. And what happens at the end of the 10 years? There's so many questions have to be answered. And, and and I believe we've had two meetings in council chambers and said where all the office members are present. And and the strange thing is, I heard so many of them, and I'm, I'm, I'm always very respectful to my fellow TDs and senators, but they were all in shock. Uh, on the 13th of September when they attended the meeting saying, 
this, you mean to tell us this is not going to be in place for 10 years, uh, this compensation package? You mean that the city council is going to, this is not good enough? 12 months ago, I told him it wasn't good enough, and nobody listened. And now we're in a situation where the county of Cork is going to be severely uh, leading to a loss of funding here going forward. And I'm still calling on the Taoiseach. I asked him to stop the plan and to look at it deeper, to look at the losses and give us an est- a proper estimate because it's, it's, it's not the city council, the county council should be doing this. It's the department should be leading this because they've led it from the beginning. And they and they fail to do this at the moment, and it, and I will keep pressing this. And I mean, the meeting today is is, is beneficial. I think it'll uh, give the parties a clear insight as to what is going to happen here down the road. But it's not going to be good news for the county. We are going to lose a lot of services. I can guarantee you by this after this plan, and a lot of the revenue is going to be lost to the county. Yeah, and, it, and, it, it, and, and you know, I, I, my fear is we're going to be back like what we're, we're what we're doing now when the town councils went at the time. People said, "Oh, we don't need them." town councils we constantly hear from people now saying oh god I wish I had a town council back but particularly the towns that had a town council and there's that sneaking feeling very same thing is going to happen when the county loses out and the councillors and the council executive are going to be able to say well it's because we lost revenue in the boundary changes and then everybody's saying why why do we leave it uh, happen Uh, Heidi says morning Patricia again we've Michael Collins working for us here in West Cork I have to say he's always on the ball he comes out fighting every time we're under attack from Dublin. We have a hard enough job down here to get things done without losing money from businesses, etc. Well done, Michael. We need other TDs to back him up, though, and we need that ASAP. Someone else says, let me see, Dennis Imallo, agree 100% with what Michael and Patricia are saying today on the programme. Yes, we do need our lovely city to expand because that would benefit all of us. However, I do feel the younger brigade in government, like so many other young people, are looking at the bright lights of urban areas in the city rather than rural areas. They are the ones that want investment in the city and they're not worried about county areas like North Cork and West Cork. It is a sad state of affairs, but I feel that's where their line of thinking is going at the moment. Someone else says it's all, this is by text, it's all about the city. Uh, What about uh, Simon Coveney? He took the something in Clan up to the DVO in Clan. He took the DVO in Clan uh, up to the city and I can see on and on it goes uh, people saying similar things worried about what's going to happen. Alright, listen, we'll keep abreast of this. That meeting today is happening when with the county mayor? Uh, they're having meetings at different times. I'm meeting them at about half past twelve today in, 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 in Dublin but there's uh, several meetings uh, prior and after that with, with, with Fine Gael and, and, and uh, Fianna Fáil to get them uh, hopefully to wake up to the to the crisis that's uh, that's that's before us, uh, Patricia. Okay, and just one final point. When I was listening to the Taoiseach, he was comparing uh, Cork City and County to what's happened in Limerick and Galway, uh, but surely they are very different in that they've become one local authority. That's very different to what's happening here in Cork, isn't it? They have, and, and, and listening to Galway deputies, they're totally opposed to, the, to what is going on there too, because they know that it's going to lead to losses in their county as well. And that's our biggest issue here: is, is if a department's pushing this as, as much as they are, um, why haven't they put a pr- 
proper compensation package in place and that we are well aware of what that compensation package is so that we know are we leading to losses, which I can guarantee you we are going to lead to losses going down the road. And, and what happens then? Loss of services? I mean, I made it very clear to the Taoiseach the last day that there's been seven businesses have closed in my own constituency in South West Cork. So West Cork at the moment is hemorrhaging very badly in ma- many rural places. Now you take services, lack of funding for roads or whatever, where are we going? Where are we leading with this? And it's great to govern and, and to talk about what you want to do with your beautiful city or whatever. You're going to have a major crisis in Cork City because there is no housing available as it stands now. How can you increase in 20 years, 50 percent where where is this where are people going to live are they going to live in the streets like they are in dublin is that what he expects we're really going down a very slippery slope here and i don't think this has been seen through properly department are are, are railroading as i said to you councillors everyone has been against this and no one has been listened to here there's no democracy here it's just a straight kicking the teeth to the people we're doing it this way and you can take it leave it and I, it's very very much on the the county boundary changes uh, that'll come on oh i i brought this about Sherry, Tim League, Barry Roby moved into another electoral area without the, the will of the people are against us totally. And we're told it's an independent commission, even though certain parties, their their councils were, were telling us 12 months ago in West Cork it's going to happen. This is, you know, it just asks, it's, it, it, it beggars a lot of questions, to be honest. Okay. Somebody wants to know, did you go out today? Were you at the rally yesterday? The, the I today? was at the rally yesterday. There was tens of thousands of people there. And, uh, you know, I, I knew, and there was people there with, 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 with houses, basically, but they, they know the agony of their neighbour. They know the agony. We have a very d- difficult situation. I spoke last night in the Dáil about the housing. I'm blowing the, the face from talking about housing inside the Dáil. Um, and, and, and you have situations where uh, I've been looking for, for, for uh, I suppose, you know, regeneration into the into our into our towns and, and villages and rebuild our towns and villages in rural Ireland. The minister got up yesterday. He said he agreed with me, but agreed with me is one thing, but doing something about it is another. That's something that the government needs to concentrate very much so. And and basically, there it's very difficult. I'm here in Dublin last night, staying in Ratmines. I see people sleeping on the street, and it's a very difficult situation. We can't have a house for everybody. I accept that. But there needs to be a proper movement in place and a proper plan in place, and there is no plan here. Okay. All right, um, uh, Michael, it's an issue. I know we will return to in the meantime. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks for for joining us uh, on the programme. That is uh, West Cork Dáil Deputy Michael uh, Collins. And just on housing, a lot of people commenting on housing today. Dermot and Castellines um, says, I feel our Taoiseach and others may be in a bubble when it comes to a number of issues in this uh, country, especially when it comes to housing. They're earning big wages. They're not directly affected by what is going on around them. It's hard to imagine how others are struggling. You have to walk in somebody else's shoes. That phrase really comes to mind at the moment, uh, says uh, Dermot. And Tom in Fomoy was watching the housing protest yesterday on the news. Tom said, I was annoyed as I could see my own son. I have young nieces and nephews. They're all struggling to pay rent. They're all struggling to try to get onto the property ladder and take out a mortgage. It's so unfair. But what annoyed me more, and I do not agree with Sinn Féin, but Mary Lou did have a point to go out to the gates of Leinster House and meet some of the protesters. But the Taoiseach wasn't going to go out and do that. I feel from some of the government benches, there seems to be a sense of smugness, which I was astounded at. Because I would be a Fine Gael voter and I would agree with a lot of what they have done in the past. But I really do think uh, we need a little bit of a reality check when it comes to the housing uh, situation. Yeah, because we hear 
we hear them all say that there's a housing uh, crisis, but I think Tom is right. It's only when you're pushed into that situation and you're actually in that situation that you can realise just how bad our housing situation is. It's, it's a, kind of like one of those things there, but the, for the grace of God, go all of us. Nobody wants that uh, knocking on our door. 1850 Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Hi, I'm Simon Murdoch. Join me for the all new Cork's More Music Breakfast on C103. I'm kicking off a brand new way to win every morning with Celebrity C's. All you have to do is guess the voices to grab the cash. Turn on C103 and wake up with me. The all new Cork's More Music Breakfast, weekday 6 to 10, only on C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some texts in of giving asked me to give a mention to some things. I was glad to do that if I can. Kathleen says, Patricia, would you announce the Castle Magner Senior Club? That's the Senior Citizens Club in Castle Magner. They are hosting the presidential candidate Sean Gallagher and his wife Trish, one o'clock today in the community centre in Castle Magner. All are welcome. Um, and I'm glad to give that a mention because it puts it into my head to remind me to mention to you that uh, Sean Gallagher is the first of the six candidates to confirm a date and a time to join us for an interview and he is going to join me on the programme on Monday morning and as always whenever, particularly for the presidential elections, we always try and throw uh, try and open it up to the audience almost. Uh, if you have a question for Sean Gallagher or indeed any of the candidates get the questions in to us and as the candidates uh, join us we'll try and put as many of your questions, what you want to hear because I think with the pre- what's different with the presidential election as opposed to local elections are even general elections, you know, if if there's a particular candidate that you want to talk to or have a question for, there's a possibility you'll get to meet them. But it's impossible for the presidential candidates to get around to all of the country to visit and, you know, go out and press the flesh. I mean, they meet as many people as they can, but they certainly don't go door to door like you will see with a local election or a general election. So if you have a question for any of the candidates, but Sean Gallagher kicking off the first of our presidential election coverage, and that's going to be on Monday morning. And we've put requests out to all of the other five candidates as well. And as soon as we get confirmation of a day and a time that they're going to join us, uh, we will let you know to give you advanced warning of it but Sean Gallagher the first on Monday morning and Pat O'Hara good morning to you Pat says Patricia would you mention please that the Charleville Soccer Club they are hosting a fashion show with the difference it's grass to class that intrigues me. It'll be in the Charleville Park Hotel tomorrow night, Friday, with a reception at 7pm. And the show starts at 8. Congratulations, uh, Pat O'Hara. Hi to you, Pat. Now, can, can our listeners please help Anne in Castletown Bear, who sends in a text saying, Patricia, I have a dilemma. I made crab apple jelly yesterday. Put in the correct amount of sugar. I boiled it for the time that the recipe stated. But it simply hasn't set. Has anyone any suggestions, please? That's from Anne in Castletown Bear. So crab, apple, jelly, right amount of sugar, boiled it, everything that the recipe said, but it hasn't set. Now, could anybody tell us, please, why has Anne's crab, apple, jelly not set? Firstly, try and get an explanation on that. And then where does she go from here? Is there anything she can now do with gorgeous crab apple jelly, which sounds absolutely gorgeous, but it just hasn't set. If anybody's able to help us with that, please do. And actually on jams, and I don't know, and jellies, and I don't know 
if we could put it, put it, reach out to Martin Higgins. Martin Higgins is with the company Martin's Jams, and we spoke to Martin earlier in the year when we were doing the Racing Home for Easter Festival and he's got the most delicious jams. And we just heard this morning that Martin has been nominated for an award this weekend in the Blossom Heron Awards. And these are kind of the top awards you can get in Ireland for jams. Awards are going to go on in uh, Dingle. And he's up this year for his lemon curd. Oh God, lemon curd brings me back to my childhood. I haven't had lemon curd on toast I would say since I was a child. Uh, anyway, it was Margaret and all of Martin's family were on wanting to wish Martin all the very best of luck and also very kindly wanted to wish me the best of luck at the Radio Awards which are happening tomorrow night. I'm up for the speech broadcaster of the year at uh, the Imrose but you know as I said back when the nomination happened nearly a month ago uh, to get nominated for me is the win but uh, we we are looking forward to that uh, night out tomorrow night but thank you for that but good luck to Martin Uh, we hope he really gets on well with that award. I was just thinking I wonder could he be able to help Parole Anne in Castletown and her crab apple uh, jelly. If anybody can help, please um, share your in, share your knowledge with us so that we can pass it on for Anne. Now, the lady that contacted us earlier, who is thinking of Christmas because doesn't want to spend Christmas at home, and is looking and would like to go to a hotel for Christmas, but is looking for a hotel that. You don't have to be a resident. We'd just like to go for the day to have the Christmas dinner. I was wondering anywhere in Cork and Kerry. We did get a, um, somebody on. Well, it's slightly outside of Cork. I don't know where our texter was texting from. John in Mallow was on to say um, Kilcorn Lodge Hotel, which is just outside Kerry. It's on the old road. Uh, you, when you, the when before they did they built the the bypass and the motorway, you'd pass Kilcorn Lodge Hotel, and it was a great old stopping ground for people who wanted to stop off and have lunch or a cup of coffee or, or whatever. I've often wondered how have they been affected since since the new road opened. But anyway, they do Christmas dinners uh, every year. John said he went last year and um, he's recommending it, so he obviously enjoyed it. And he's and he said the Clamell Arms. Now the Clamell Arms. The Clamell Park, I imagine, because the Clamell Arms is a very old hotel uh, that closed many, many years ago. But uh, he said they also do Christmas dinners. I'm assuming it's the Clamell Park Hotel you're probably talking about. John also said last year the Glen Eagle in Killarney did, but he's not sure if they're running it this year again. Yeah, and you see, the problem is a lot of the hotels, as we mentioned earlier, you have to stay. I mean, all that what our listener wants is to literally go and just uh, spend maybe spend a few hours there but just go out for Christmas dinner wants to will, willing to come back home uh, to her own house now some other issues coming in John in Mallow says with the work that is due to go on in the convention centre and the fact that it hasn't even started yet at this stage nearly 80 million euro has gone into the development and yet not a brick is down yet is it but the question is do we really need it says John since the project is not up and running yet and uh, how many homes could be built with a budget of 80 million euro? And the other question, do we really need the convention centre in Cork? Look at other buildings over the years built and are now white elephants. Do we really need this one? And I suppose tying it in with the fact that people are talking about houses and we were talking about the protests and the number of people that turned out for the protest 
you know, last night people are just starting to say, you know, what do we need to do? you know about housing we need to do something and we need to do it uh, quick Michael says Patricia we have 31 local authorities in the country if each of them built 1,000 houses each that would give us 31,000 new houses a year. When Deputy Michael Collins had an opportunity to support Leo he chose not to. You're always better on the inside and being fed than being on the outside like the hungry wolf howling at the moon says what a great saying I haven't heard that before um, thanks for that 1815 also on oh just a couple of texts in about the quarry and planning permission being granted to the to Roadstone for the reopening of the quarry in Leem Lara. As far as I am aware, says Sandy, from days when wells were dug as opposed to well boring, some thought that if the rock was met while digging, it would be blown with powder explosion. Most of the time, shattering rock in this way caused the water level to go to a deeper level and sometimes caused neighbours' spring wells to run dry. I'm not saying that this doesn't contaminate ground water. I'll be surprised says Sandy if the terms and conditions aren't stricter now as opposed to the way they were during the Celtic Tiger days. Thank you for that. Another listener said I certainly would object and object very strongly to the opening of that quarry and I speak from experience. I live near one in Skull. The blasting, the rock breaking, the dust and the dirt is awful. Uh, to live with on a daily basis and Michael in Bantry says Patricia we had a quarry opened in Copstown in Mallow they destroyed the rolls potholes everywhere and that's the issue already with the road that we're talking about to this particular quarry in Neem Lara they're already in bad condition and that was one of the planning rules that they have to give that the company have to invest a million euro in the roads in the area but how far will how far will a million euro go I mean if the roads are already in a bad state and they do them up the danger then is because this quarry would be open they're, they're looking to carry out the work over a 20 year period and it would see the removal of 300,000 tonnes of sandstone a year. That's a lot of sandstone. So even if the road was done up, you would then have the trucks going back over the road and I suppose that's where they uh, would, even no matter what work they did, would it then make it, you know, would would we be back at the end of the 20 years saying, would you give us another million plus, please, uh, in order for us to do back up the road? And just one final one in this. Very sorry to see O'Flynn's medical having to leave Mill Street and relocate to uh, McCombs as this texter. I'd really love to wish them all the best of luck. And I heard Barry, our news, Barry O'Mani, our newsreader, talking about this. It's making the Corkman newspaper today that they are leaving Mill Street and they're moving to McCroom. It certainly is good news for McCroom because it is going to create jobs and it looks like they're also going to expand because they literally are moving lock, stock and barrel uh, to McCroom and according to Councillor Creed, Michael Creed, in the Corkman today, the reason, one of the main reasons for the move was the non-possibility of expansion for the company in Mill Street. So while it's bad news for Mill Street, it certainly is good news 
for McCroom. So we can do is just uh, wish everybody involved with uh, O'Flynn Medical. It was founded by a husband and wife team, Tig and Anne O'Flynn, about 18 years ago. Uh, they are expanding and in order to expand, they have to move. So we wish them the best going forward. John Paul is taking your calls, 1850 You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. I need to play our famous rose for our competition with the Nightingale and the Rose. Don't call us yet. We're just playing it so you can take a listen to it. Honestly, wholeheartedly, I wasn't expecting to win. Okay, that's somebody who became a famous Rose. Who is that? If you think you know who it is, hold on to the thought. Your chance to win a pair of tickets and dinner for two for either Tuesday the 16th or Wednesday the 17th at the Everyman, the Nightingale and the Rose and also complimentary dinner for two at Green's Restaurant. Ticket information available everymancork.com C103 Jobs. Experienced fast food assistants are required for a busy takeaway that's in Bandon. While a person is wanted for immediate start that's on a poultry farm near Rascarbury. And Kinsale Cabs, they've got vacancies for drivers. It may suit new licence holders, uh, car insurance and base available for the suitable candidates. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Pat O'Connor and Aidan O'Connor at the Mousetrap Bar in Mallow have rallied a group of friends under the name Remember Alzheimer's and it's to organise a one-off series of fundraising events to support the local St Mary's Daycare Centre. The fundraising day is happening this Saturday and joining me with more details is Pat O'Connor. Uh, good morning to you, Pat, and uh, you're very welcome. Thank if you, you move in a little bit into that microphone, if that's get nice and close to it. Now, we'll talk about what's planned for the day and there's so much planned for the day, it, it's terrific. But I, I need to and want to talk to you about Alzheimer's disease because it's very much touched your life. Firstly, your partner's mum, Mary, was diagnosed. Tell me about Mary and the progression of the disease and how she's doing today. Um, Mary is 73 years of age. Uh, she lives in Beecher Park in Mallow with us. Um, she goes, um, you can have a conversation with Mary right now, but she wouldn't remember it in five minutes' time. But she knows who we all are, and she's she's very good. Um, but you can have that conversation again in five minutes. I know. All I right. Know. Um, and has she always lived with you? Or has I she know, she's lived with us for the last seven years. Since the diagnosis, yeah. was it? Yeah. Yeah. So and uh, so her di- her progression has been quite slow. Then is it? If yes, it's seven um, years, Mary's been quite good and quite quite stable. Um, like um, she has her everyday routine. She she actually goes to St Mary's daycare centre four mornings a week. They pick her up, bring her home, and it's like with Mary's like the way Mary explains it herself to me is is um, her box is full. And basically, um, she can't take in no more. The and inbox is full. Yeah, and yeah. you can't take in no more. But if you play a song on the radio, going back 20 years, she could sing that song, yeah. no problem, the whole act like. But they always say that with pa- patients with dementia. Music yeah. music is incredible. Yeah. So Mary is happy in her world. Oh, yes, very, yeah. very happy. Um, she have her everyday routine. Um, once again, I'm going to keep mentioning it. St Mary's Daycare Centre is 
unbelievable. Does she love going there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And she'll, the bus will come. Yeah. And it's a door-to-door service. That's right. Yeah. And uh, and the bus, we only started using the bus facility not so long ago. And that's thanks to Linda for making it easier at home for us. Um, and the reason that you needed to make it easier at home, Pat, and this is the real sting in the tail of this story, is Mary's mum, who is your partner, Marie. Yeah was also diagnosed with that. That's right, yeah. Um, Marie was diagnosed at the age of 50. Sorry. No, it's 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 very upsetting. And at 50 years of age, had you... Did she know something was wrong? Did um, you see something we, was I wrong? I saw something one night. Um, I came home and she was quite confused. And she didn't... And we just went for tests. And it came back that Marie had Alzheimer's at 50. Now, Marie is quite... Um, was that all of a sudden, um, Pat? It was, you know, it's like everything else, Patricia, everyday normal routine. Like, we're a typical family, constantly running and racing, kids running in and out and this and that. It probably was going on for a while, but we probably didn't actually take any, any notice of it. Um, and, of course, she was caring for her mum. She was caring for her mum, yes. So, and actually that's interesting because the routine would have been the same. That would have suited Marie without her even knowing it to have this routine. Devastating, and I can see how upset you are, but how has Marie taken the news? Marie's doing very well. Um, Like, um, Marie's Alzheimer's would be a different... um, to her mum, it's the same gene passed down. Now... Mary's two sisters also died with Alzheimer's. And, My um, God. It's... So it's it's very much in the family. Yeah. With Marie, it's her speech. She can't get her words out. And it gets very frustrating. Yeah. And... She knows what she wants to say. And she can't get the it words, out. Yeah. yeah, the words yeah. to talk about. So are, are you now the primary carer at home? Marie is still doing quite well. Is she? And she has her everyday normal routine and walking her dogs. And and she worked with Dairy Golden Manor for 18 years um, in the West End. And um, she left there not so long ago on her own accord. And yeah. I just want to say Peter O'Driscoll and the staff are outstanding. Yeah. Yeah, people. And that's the reason you decided, because you, I mean, do you, do you think Marie will, will start going to the daycare centre at some stage? No? She's very good at the moment. Yeah, she um, may. She, she but, is. But if she needs it, it's there. Yes, it's if she there. Needs it, if and, she needs it, it's there. And she has a routine. And instead of me crying about it, this is why we got together. Instead of, when you get bad news, you always think of the worst. You, mm. down the road and whatever. Um... So I decided to flip the kind over and see could we do some use out of it. And that's when the Maladair Care Centre decided to do it for. Do a fundraiser for them. Yeah. So you got together. Now you're kind of doing, it's it's unusual. Most people will do one event, like a cycle from Killarney, which is one of the things. But you've decided to do a day with a load of events. That's right, yeah. Um, we've, we've started actually, um, we had a golf society. We, we have it in, in the bar, but... Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. 
Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary. Not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. We done a golf outing on the 8th of September. Okay. Right? And uh, that went quite well. We done a poker classic last night. Um, that's what we did. We have a cycle from Clarny to Mallow with around 30 cyclists on um, this Saturday coming. Great. Now, if anyone likes to cycle, they're more than welcome to join in. Right? And I will leave my number at... Um, we have, you have your number here, yeah. And... Um, all it is is a card and donate something and be part of it okay. and a bit of fun and what have you. So that's happening this Saturday. Also outside the pub, we have spinning, right, from Dublin to Cork, right? <laughs> My young fella and Mallow J, we'd be much involved in So I'm going to get those lads to... To spin. To, to spin. So they're all day as you're passing, you'll see them. That's right. Yeah. Do, okay, they'll be doing the spinning. Then also we have um, a soccer a soccer match down the town park. That's what we have um, at 5 p.m. And also that evening we have a Munster jersey signed by the Munster players and also a Limerick All-Ireland hurling jersey signed as well for auction. Um, the cards that are out there um, that were sold, there's also spot prizes for them, right? And I'd like to say this isn't... And this isn't... If any of these events that you think you you can't call down to the most shop on, and it's not me publishing my business. I'm not at that. Call to the most shop and have a pint and a hot dog, a burger because it's all donated. Okay, and people can just simply yeah. can't do a donation yeah. if we are doing yeah. our donation from the bar side of it yeah. from every drink that's sold. Oh, I as well. Yes, oh, as well. Right. Okay. So it's not you know. And a party atmosphere. This is going to be a joyful occasion. Yes. Um. I've rang some local musicians as well to come down with the guitars and play with canopy as well and play outside and play a bit of music and sing yeah, song and a bit of bit of fun a bit of crack and you know and since this happened um since we organized this um remember alzheimer's 
the man of business people are just out. <laughs> I know it's it, uh, Pat. It's you're on such a tough journey. I mean, you're you're incredibly strong that you're even here today talking to us. I, I really do uh, appreciate it because it's not easy. But I know what you're trying to get across is that the Mallow business They're people, unreal. yeah, They're yeah, unreal. and the, the people, yeah, yeah. It's I think it's when only when something like this lands on your doorstep and when or somebody becomes unwell or there's some kind of a tragedy in the family, we see the goodness of other people. I think maybe it's there, but for the grace of God, go I. Maybe that's what comes into people's minds. You never know. I mean, you would never have thought that you, if I'd spoken to you five years ago, that you'd be in the position you're in no, today. You, no. you aren't. But listen, you're, you're a great guy. And I tell you, Marie and uh, Mary, very lucky to have you. And, and we wish the best of luck to Marie and Mary on their journey. But to you, you're, you're an incredible guy. To the mousetrap and mallow, people can call in. And also, like, this wouldn't be able to happen only for um, Aidan, my business partner, Joe Buckley, Cahill Murphy, John Condren, Tom O'Neill, Lar Luddy, also Dan Sheen and Martin O'Regan for the soccer. I thank you so much. All right. We'll keep in contact with you, OK? You look after yourself as well, because that, that's important. Uh, God bless. That uh, is Pat O'Connor. Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Now time for this week's uh, Gather File. Uh, Sergeant Tony Cronin joining me in studio. Good morning to you, Tony. Good morning. And you're welcome. And we are back to the problem of unattended cars, three of them broken into, and it all happened in one estate. Yes, we had uh, three break-ins in one estate in uh, Drumahan, and we had another break-in in Wing Village. Now, if you reflect back to this day two weeks ago, while we were talking about it, we were advising people that there was people... Uh, travelling around, uh, going into different towns, into estates and walking through the estates late at night checking to see if their cars uh, unlocked and if they were unlocked uh, they were going through the car to see if there any items that they could take uh, for their own benefit and lo and behold last um, the 29th um, which would have been last Friday night into Saturday morning that uh, it was discovered we had three cars broken into in uh, Newbury Green in Drumahan where there was items um, taken from the three cars which were unlocked and also we had So uh, they're not going to the bother of smashing a window they literally are going from car to car just checking to see just checking the door It's opportunist crime um, we had a, another one on the same night in Wing Village so they're people that are travelling the, the countryside they'll go to towns villages etc where there's a cluster of cars and they'll walk around and they won't uh, bring attention to, to themselves because it'll be very late at night they won't make noise they'll just open the door of a car if it's open they'll go through it see if there's anything that uh, they can use close the door and they're gone on to the next car and they're managing to get items out of the cars yes um, usually uh, small items uh, yeah. on another occasion there's uh, something substantial but it's a very yeah. rare occasion really that they get uh, a lot of property but some people would can, uh, can leave money in cars you know in the well or something of the car people will will have money yes people have a habit of um, maybe leaving a work phone or something like that yeah. that they won't use until Sat the following day people still exactly yeah. and small bits uh, of money so what we're trying to do like two weeks ago encourage uh, the public to no matter where you are if you go to the city and you park in the high rise you lock your car once you get out of it so treat it as the same at home. Uh, you want your property to be there, so lock your car. And if you have an alarm on any uh, property that you have, utilise that as well. 
Yeah, because we had a gentleman contact us last week just to warn people. It was the driveway of his house. He came home in the middle of a working day. He needed to have a quick shower and he left the car in open, ran in. Had a, no, he did say that just before uh, he went to take the shower, somebody called to the door. He didn't buy whatever they were uh, selling. Off they went. And of course, when he went out, the car unlocked his jacket and his wallet in the car oh. and they were no longer in the car but it was in the driveway of his house where you think oh I'm home and, and it's safe it's not it's just not safe and it's opportunist uh, crime because it's not drawing attention because there's no lo- loud noise anyone can open the door of a car in a driveway you know it doesn't look unusual in that sense so that's why people probably aren't drawn to, to look at these type of people going around but it is late at night that this is happening in the hours of darkness so we'd encourage people to lock their cars. No matter where yeah. you're residing, please lock your car. So as you lock up your house, you need to make sure yeah. that the car is locked uh, as well. I've just been told there's a car on fire on the top of Cars Hill near the Famine Cross uh, um, going towards Carrigaline. So try to avoid that area at the moment uh, while they get that incident under control. That's at the top of Cars Hill uh, heading towards uh, Carrigaline. Attempted burglary in a supermarket. This was in Newmarket. That's uh, correct. That would be the 27th of September last. And it happened uh, just after 3 a.m. where a number of people tried to gain access to the, the main door of the Super Value uh, supermarket in Newmarket. Now, uh, it's on the main street in Newmarket, so there would be passing traffic. It's a busy street. Yes, there's always, we'll say, activity there because we'll say you're going from Kentork. Newmarket on for Abbey Field that direction so there's always traffic passing to and fro so we would ask the public if there's anything you saw on that particular uh, morning it's the 27th of September last which would be the early hours of Saturday morning and we're talking from any time from maybe quarter to three to twenty past three half three so you may have seen a car parked up with a trailer which would be drawing attention why would you see a trailer parked up you know a car and trailer mm. at that hour of the morning and uh, if there was people in the f- vicinity of the main street and it was attempted they didn't get in it, wa- it was attempted, attempted yes. okay. but they didn't get in but then again uh, they, they had use of a car and a trailer so we would ask the public just to think back it's the early hours of the morning uh, Friday night into Saturday morning uh, 3am so maybe you were coming back from you were dropping someone to a disco uh, or collecting them or coming from work or just passing through and you may have seen something you might recognise that, something that in itself suspicious a trailer out at that hour of the night you'd, you would yes. straight away you'd kind of think oh, that's, yeah. that's, that's a bit suspicious ok if anybody uh, saw anything please contact your local guard at the station and criminal damage in Ballydaheen yeah that, that's um, last Saturday night Sunday morning we'll say after disco time uh, what actually happened was uh, on the top of Ballydaheen someone broke a front window of a house Oh, for no apparent for reason. God's sake. So it's uh, the early hours, we'll say around 3am on, on that Sunday morning last. And um, we'd like to hear from people who would know who was in the vicinity of, of Belli, Upper Belly Dehine at that time. Because, you know, you have people coming out uh, after the disco on the Saturday night, uh, people walking home. You have taxis up and down there. It's generally a busy street, uh, a road in Mallow at that time. So there would be plenty of people present. And the noise that would be created with the window. Exactly, yes. Well, God, for the person inside in the house mm. to to be woken to a window being smashed. Yes, and we'll say... Scary episode. For no apparent reason, it's Sunday morning, you know, uh, at this hour. and Shocking. Uh, I'll say again, like, there would be a lot of people in this area. Yeah. You know, on yeah, foot or in cars. Yeah, absolutely. So we'd ask absolutely. you, please, to give Malagar the somebody, station ring if you have any information. All right, and you want to advise motorists um, changing the weather, slippery roads, dark evenings, the clocks are going to be going back um, and 
you really need to watch yourself on the roads. Yes, we've gone through a, a long spell of fine weather where we'll say people are used to the dry weather now and we're go- obviously we're going to get wet weather uh, in the near future and driving conditions will change alarmingly because it will take a lot longer to slow and to stop your car and bring it to a halt, particularly at junctions and, and cars in front of you turning left or right. So we'd ask the motorists to be more mindful of that, reduce your speed and to be aware that it takes longer to control your car and bring it to a, a safe stop in these uh, conditions that we're going to be encountering well, in the near future. Even, I mean, the forecast for today isn't great. There's a lot of heavy rain for this afternoon and there's a lot of leaves on the ground. I mean, they have been dry, so it's been fine. Yeah. But you get the heavy rain on the leaves, making the leaves wet. Yes. It's a good point because we've had quite a few accidents over the years where people would say that, you know, um, it wasn't the road surface, it was actually the leaves. They had no grip on the leaves on the road, yeah. so they couldn't um, steer their car. It's almost like being on ice at times, can't it? it yes, can it, be if it's very slippy. It, it can be quite um, dangerous, especially out in the country roads, do you know, where you've um, lots of trees on, on minor roads, do you know what I mean? And you mightn't have a lot of traffic, so the, the leaves don't get blown away and they stay on the ground and then they get very wet so you have no grip on those. So just to ask the public to be um, very careful when you're driving. The conditions will change. And I know, I don't know if we, if it's been confirmed for tomorrow, I know we were trying to get the Road Safety Authority on because they're, they're running a campaign about uh, pedestrians and you know pedestrians being lit up at night and I have a friend of mine who's in hospital at the moment so I have occasion to be out in the evening time heading up to the city to see her. I, I don't, I'm off and out in the evening time. I, twice yesterday, driving around the Blarney area out of nowhere, somebody dressed in very dark colours out walking. One person out walking their dog, I could not believe. Uh, I mean, I know I luckily saw her in time, but like uh, completely dressed in black with a black dog. I think it's an accident waiting to happen. It is. And uh, even sometimes there, but, you know, the evening time, the sunlight, the sun coming down, um, you can miss people on the road as well, you know. Uh, so it's very, very important that you wear the fluorescent um, jackets for visibility and it's it's your own safety. Some people think they're walking 200 yards to a neighbour's house and back and things like that and they won't be involved in an accident. But uh, it's just for your safety so that everybody's aware that you're actually on the road. And the statistics are there. Most accidents happen close to your own house, don't they? Very much so. And it's the same for pedestrians as well. Okay, so please, high-vis vets, everybody. Uh, Listen, Tony, thank you for that and uh, thanks for joining us in studio. Uh, Good morning, that is Sergeant Tony Cronin. Somebody says, well, Patricia, I hope you stopped and had a word with that woman and her dog out walking late last night. And it wasn't even that late. It was about, what? but half eight but it was dark it was, she was in black the, the, the dog was black and I didn't stop uh, in my defence it was a rural road I had nowhere uh, to pull in I didn't even toot my horn which got me to thinking um, I when I get into situations like that I don't even bip my horn I'm very uh, I'm not a bit aggressive you know the way when you're driving around and you'll hear people oh, toot toot tooting on the horn and when you're in the city in particular I've had people blow their horn at me but I never, I've never, I never do it. So no, I didn't. I just, I more thought about her from a safety point of view that it was, it was, now maybe she went out and didn't realise it was going to get dark, which can happen with people, but just crazy. It's an accident. She really was an accident waiting to happen. And uh, thank you to people who responded to Pat O'Connor who joined us. Uh, the poor man was so upset uh, talking about his big fundraiser. I remember Alzheimer's on Saturday, the mousetrap all in and around the mousetrap bar in Mallow. I really hope hope that they get it's a huge a hugely successful event I have a, a feeling in my bones it will be but uh, Pat you know just facing up to Alzheimer's and the effect it's having on his life to be touched twice 
Very difficult uh, indeed, bless his heart. As Sam says, uh, uh, my heart goes out to you. That's what somebody calls Sam. I don't know if that's somebody who knows uh, Pat or not, but thank you for that. And a lot of other people saying it's hard to listen to a man cry. It is. I find it extremely difficult, uh, I must uh, say. Um, he's very brave to have come to the studio to talk to us, so we really do appreciate it. And once again, wish him the best of luck and to his partner Marie and her mum Mary, who've both been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. We wish them uh, nothing but good health uh, going forward. Okay, Michael says, Hi Patricia, could you please announce that there's social dancing for beginners with Michael Welton. They're back tonight in the Pike Hall in Lissavard at nine o'clock. Everybody welcome to come along. Thanking you in advance. Sorry for the late text. Well, only too glad to give it a mention because we're often looking for social dancing for beginners, for people who've two left feet like my good self if you want to go along the pie call in of art because we've mentioned this before it's a great way it is social dancing and the clue is in the title it's a great way to socialise for people who find themselves at a certain age and there's nowhere for them to go they don't go to the discos they don't go to the nightclubs they don't like going to the pubs where else can they go? Everyone regularly suggests when we cover topics like that, go social dancing. There's your opportunity with Michael Welton, Pike Hall in Lissavard tonight at nine. Get your dancing shoes on. OK, we need to take a break. We have news at 12 midday coming up. We're going to talk about that protest that happened in Dublin yesterday raising the roof for housing and your pet questions get answered if you've got a pest question Jane Pickett will join us in studio get your pet questions in 1850 text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow it's family run so your loved one will feel at home see breedhaven.ie C103 You're listening to Cork today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed Competition time. We're going to do it by text today. We have Famous Roses. We've been playing Famous Roses all week. You've got to identify the rose. It can be rose in the name. The surname might be Rose. Or they might have played a fictional character called Rose. Or they may, like today, have become a Rose. Honestly, wholeheartedly, I wasn't expecting to win. Okay. What famous rose is that, if you know the answer? By text only, please, 0862 103 103. We'll leave the text message open for about 10 minutes and then we will select two winners. One will be heading for to the Everyman along with dinner on Tuesday the 16th of October and then we'll have a second winner who will win prize for Wednesday the 17th of October it's a pair of tickets to the Everyman to the Nightingale and the Rose a spectacular night of operatic enchantment when you can join some of Cork's favourites Kim Sheehan Magella Colla Owen Gilhooley and Joe uh, Corbett. It is a highly anticipated show, probably the most anticipated show of the year for the uh, Everyman, the Nightingale and the Rose. So who is this Rose? Honestly, wholeheartedly, I wasn't expecting to win. Text 0862103103 for your chance to win. And ticket information, by the way, available at everymancork.com. Keep your pet questions uh, coming in. Do those by phone at the moment because the text message service will get busy with the quiz. So we'll hold off on texts for pet questions. But if you have a pet question, uh, John Paul certainly uh, will take the call from you. 1850 333103. And Philip wants to point out 
interesting that we're doing pet questions today. Today is the Feast of St. Francis of Assisi, patron saint of animals. And I'm sure Frank, one of our listeners who was objecting to me, even mentioning religion on the programme, uh, will take great umbrage to the fact that we're mentioning St. Francis of Assisi today, which does remind me also of an email that I got in. This is a kind of a word of warning, I suppose, to people to do with barnbracks. If you're out buying barnbracks, all of the shops now are full of all of the Halloween trick and treats and decorations and struck me the other day when I was walking around a couple of stores we've gone very American aren't we the way we're decorating our homes now for Halloween and some people go all out some people love Halloween though and they'll go all out at uh, decorating and I have a little wreath that I put up and everything now I, I, I kind of like the idea kind of a precursor for Christmas I suppose but if you're out buying I've my, you know, the sweets and stuff for the kids trick or treating or if you're out buying barnbracks be careful on the barnbracks though because the listener bought a barnbrack yesterday today and I think this was bought in an Aldi store, a nice barn brack and it's got it's got the ring hidden inside so you've got to be careful when you're giving it to the children that they don't um, choke on the ring, just be careful of that. But the sell-by date is interesting, the sell-by date is the 11th of the 10th, 18th so it's the 11th of October is the sell-by date and just so just be careful if you're picking up a barn brack thinking it'll be there for the day of Halloween. They have sell-by dates, I suppose, by the very nature of what's in a barnbrack. It would have to have a sell-by date. I want to stay on the topic of food because earlier we had one of our listeners in a bit of a pickle, well, not pickle, dilemma. And in Castletown Bear, she contacted us to say she made crab apple jelly yesterday did everything according to the recipe in that she put in the correct amount of sugar and boiled it for what the recipe said. But lo and behold, this morning she's checked her crab apple jelly and it has not set. And we were looking for advice. What has she done wrong? What can she do now? Who better to go to than Martin Higgins of Martin's Jams, uh, who joins me. Thank you for contacting us, Martin. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon to you, Patricia. What do you think, poor Anne in Castletown Bear? What has she done wrong? Well, the only thing, if she has used the, the uh, correct recipe, the only thing I can think of is that she's just she's just not has it uh, boiled long enough. How long, generally speaking, does it take it, to boil? It, it depends on volume and everything, but the best rule of thumb is that to boil it and then have a plate in the freezer and take it out of the freezer and then put a, a spoonful of the jelly or jam onto it. And if it sets then within 30 seconds, then it's, it's ready. Now she can just re-boil it again. So re-boil it and then leave it in the freezer? No, no, no have a plate in the freezer. Oh, a plate in the freezer. Sorry, my yeah. apologies. Yeah, yeah. I'm, OK, so, but, but, but don't throw it away. She can still save it. Oh, she can, yeah, she can still use it, yeah. Yeah, and crab, and lots of people have crab apples at the moment because they're in abundance, the, aren't they? It's, they're in, the, there's an awful lot of them this year. I have a freezer full ready <laughs> of, of uh, apple jelly ready. Have, yeah, apple. apple jelly is gorgeous. The, is yeah. the, is, this is jam making time of the year, is it? Well, I can do it all year round, like, but, yeah. um, but this time of year now is the busiest, all right. Yeah, for people at homes making their own yeah. jam. And there's yeah. something lovely about making your own jam as well. Now, I'm glad that you've contacted us today because it's a special weekend for you. You're off for an award ceremony. Yeah, the, uh, the Blastner and uh, Irish Food Awards. It's my fourth year now getting through. And you've won before? 
I have I've uh, the gold for the strawberry in 2015, and the uh, raspberry and the uh, blackcurrants. Then got silver and bronze in 2016. Last year I got through to the finals with the strawberry, and this year now I'm up at the weekend now for the lemon curd with the passion fruit. So the first time for the lemon curd, then is it? It is. Yeah, it's a new product with me. I, I, when I heard that your lemon curd, I, as a child, I remember lemon curd on toast, and I don't think I've had it since since I was uh, I was a child. Is there is there a market for lemon curd? Small enough. Is it's it small enough? Yes. Yeah, that's a but gorgeous the, taste. Sorry, it, there's a gorgeous taste from lemon there curd. There is, yes, yeah. And you mix yours with passion fruit. I do, yeah. I put passion fruit into it. Oh, I must keep a lookout for that. That sounds absolutely <laughs> delicious. Okay, so fingers crossed. So you head off. It's in Dingle, isn't it? The the Blossom Hair and yeah, Award. Yeah, the, the Saturday is the award ceremony. And uh, do you, do, how does the tasting? The how does yesterday? Sorry, the tasting took place yesterday. Tasting took place. Oh, sorry. Uh, today, actually, today. Sorry. Today. Okay. And um, then the the announcement then will be Saturday. Okay, will you let us know on, on Monday when we're back on air how you I got will, on? Of course, okay. Yeah. All right. Well the yeah. best of luck to you. Yeah. And and good luck to yourself on the weekend as well. Thanks, Mick. Thanks a million. Okay, <laughs> okay. take All care. Right. Bye bye. Bye bye. Uh, that is uh, Martin of Martin Martin Higgins of Martin's Jams. He's a lovely, lovely guy. Keep a look out, his jams really are absolutely gorgeous. I definitely will keep a look out for the lemon curd with passion fruit. Sounds delicious. Bandon Vintage Club annual run have been on to say they are having their run this coming Sunday. All vintage vehicles are welcome. This year they're going to incorporate vintage and modern Jeeps. It'll take place Sunday, October 7th, leaving at Kevin O'Leary's in Bandon. Uh, the sign-in will be at half past 10 and it's an aid of autism Bandon. So a good cause at the same time. So and enjoy people who've got vintage cars. Absolutely love that. But the fact that they're incorporating modern Jeeps as well, if you want to take part, you can contact Jar for further details at 087 or it's in fact it's 085 7446580 We've had a listener contact the programme who doesn't want us to call out his name. Uh, but just to refer to this person as a grateful listener, contacted us to ask us, would we say thank you to the rapid broadband technician who was working in the Connacilty area yesterday? And hopefully the rapid broadband technician is listening to the programme today because he did a very, very kind and honest deed yesterday. The rapid broadband technician found a wallet And he traced the owner from the contents of the wallet. He was able to work out who owns this wallet. He was able to work out from the contents where the owner's home was. The technician got into his car or his van, drove to this person's home, knocked on the door and says, I found your wallet and handed it in. And the real, real honest part of this story was that it contained a substantial sum of money. We're not saying how much, but it was a substantial sum of money. And obviously the owner doesn't want us to call out his name or anything like that. Or I'm, I, And I don't know 
did the person who lost the wallet, had he even realised he'd lost the wallet with this substantial amount of money or not? And if so, I don't know how long he was out looking for it or worried about the fact that he had lost it. But well done, that really is such a kind and an... Uh, well, a very honest thing to do, firstly, to make, you know, to give it back. But secondly, a very kind thing to go to the bother of working out who owns this wallet. Let me get it back to him. And obviously realised when they opened the wallet, realised the amount of money that was in it. So well done. Uh, rapid broadband technician, whoever you may be. As I say, I don't know. We've no name on the person. So I don't even know if he's um, if he's still working in the area or if he's listening to us um, or not. OK, I heard you mention, says a texter, I heard you mention high-vis vests as a means of being seen. Well, I agree with you to a point. In my opinion, they're only effective if closed. Some companies have banned them as they're liable to get caught in things. For example, if you're getting in and out of a vehicle, if the actual high-vis vest is open and untied, you can get caught on the door stepping in and out of your vehicle. Some retailers now sell light high-vis coats. They're reasonably priced and they actually save the need for wearing a waterproof coat underneath the vest because they're waterproof at the same time. I suppose when I was talking about high-vis vests and when Sergeant Tony Conan was talking about high-vis vests, it was just in relation to getting people to light up at night. That's what we need. We need people, if you're going out walking... And you might go out and you think, oh, there's daylight there, but the evenings are closing in and they're closing in very quickly as well. And that is the big problem at the moment. So high-vis vests, except, the, yeah, they, they might not always be the answer, but just some kind of bright colours or, as you say, any of the raincoats now that have high visibility on them. Just be safe and be seen is the message. 1850-333-103 and you can get your pet questions into us please. You can WhatsApp a pet question to 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary with Cork County Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Mallow Art Club, they're holding their first demonstration of the season tonight. Mercy Centre, half past seven, with the well-established London-born artist Jack Cornhouse. Jack moved to Ireland in 2005. He likes to draw and paint from life. He specialises in landscapes and life study in all mediums. All are very welcome. Kildallery Community Lotto that's going on in Sheehan's Bar this evening. No winner last week, so the jackpot is worth €1,200. Lucky tip draw will also be held. The Irish Blood Transfusion Service Board, they've got a donor clinic in the Riverside Park Hotel in McCroom. That is this afternoon between 3 and 5 and again between 7 and 9 tonight. And a gala fundraising ball will be held on uh, tomorrow night, Friday, at Fota Island Resort. Money raised will benefit the patients in cancer. Children's and Neurology Unit at CUH. Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. You can stop texting us on our Everyman competition. The answer, by the way, was Marie Walsh. Honestly, wholeheartedly, I wasn't expecting to win. She became the uh, Rose of Chile. Okay, so that was the Rose we were talking about today. And our winners today, Claire O'Regan in Bishopstown and Elaine O'Connell in uh, Dunamore. So Claire O'Regan, Bishopstown, Elaine O'Connell, Dunamore have won pairs of tickets to go along to the Nightingale and the Rose along with complimentary dinner for two at Green's uh, Restaurant. We'll do it all again tomorrow for the final day. We'll have a final famous Rose for you to identify, but the last one tomorrow. And 
and thank you a number of people backing up what Martin of Martin Jams was the advice giving that we were giving to poor Anne in Castletown Bear who spent her whole day yesterday making the wonderful crab apple jelly and it didn't set lots of people saying I make it every year including Esther and sometimes I do have to boil it again in my experience I always have to boil it longer than the recipe states said Esther so maybe that's where Anne went wrong because she said she did it wor- exactly what it said in the recipe but a uh, number of people saying no just boil it again and it will be absolutely fine. Uh, thank you for the number of people who contacted us about that. Keep your pet questions coming in for Jane Pickett our resident vet will be joining us in studio. You can now text or WhatsApp them to 0862 103 103 or you can give John Paul a call at 1850 Now homeless campaigner father Peter McVerry believes that there are at least half a million people in the country whose housing situation is causing them serious distress. Speaking at the Raise the Roof rally in Dublin yesterday, uh, it drew more than 10,000 people. Deputy Mick Barry uh, was at the protest for Raise the Roof rally yesterday and uh, he joins me this afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Mick. Hi, Patricia. Mick, what was the atmosphere like yesterday? The atmosphere was... That's a good question. Uh, It was a mix. Um, There was anger there there was people who I think have probably been quite despairing who were saying at last something seems to be happening on housing there was a lot of young people there who brought um, colour and um, real life to the demonstration Um, and there were a lot of working people, trade unionists who dropped down on their lunch break um, who, um, you know, um, there was there was there, there was there was there was a lot of feelings in there. But I think everyone was united in feeling that the government have been really poor on the housing issue, that they've been bowing down in front of the big money and the markets, and not listening to the cares and the concerns and the real worries of ordinary people. And that there has to be a big change or the government's going to be in real trouble. Yeah, the one thing, and when we were discussing him, myself and John Paul in the office before I came on air this morning, we were looking through the, the various newspaper coverage and there's lots of pictures uh, in the paper from the rally yesterday. The one thing that struck us was it crossed all the generations. I mean, usually if there's a protest, like if it's to do with, you know, students not having enough money or if it was to do with students' accommodation, there would be younger people. If it was something to do with taking the medical card away from pensioners, it would be older people. It really was a cross-section of all age groups. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's a good point. Um, there was one journalist who wrote in the newspaper this morning a little bit of a disparaging comment about activists like myself, but I'll take it on the chin. Uh, she said this was not a demonstration of the usual suspect. Right? Uh, this was a broad spectrum from Irish life and Irish society. I mean, you had travellers there, you had uh, single parents on the housing list there, you had students who are part of the locked out generation, can't afford to buy, can't afford to rent Um, and you had um, quite a lot of older people there who maybe were involved in the water charges and think, you know, it's not impossible to force change uh, on these issues, we've done it once the young people felt that they'd done it on the repeal and the abortion issue and uh, people are coming together to say, let's see if we can crack the nut on housing 
Houses, we know, can't be built overnight, Mick. What, what is the solution? The solution, the key to the solution is summed up in five words. Public housing on public land. So let me explain that. Um, the state owns a lot of land. You take the local authorities, you take NAMA, just those two alone. There's enough land there that's already zoned for residential housing to build, according to the housing expert Mel Reynolds, 114,000 new homes. Now, I think that those homes should be public homes. What I mean by that is two things. Number one, you would have what traditionally we call council housing. Uh, Although I do think that there is an argument for raising the income threshold so that uh, not only low-income people, but also the person on the the housing market can become entitled to that. But alongside of that, uh, I would talk in terms of affordable housing. Affordable housing is where you buy your own home. But at the moment, the way in which the government calculates affordable housing is they take the market price and they knock maybe 20% off of it. Which means, you know, in Cork, you can be paying more than a quarter of a million for a so-called affordable home. In Dublin, more than 300,000. For me, an affordable home depends on your income. Um, And the reality is that you can build a house, say, a two- to three-bedroom property for about 170,000. That's been shown by housing co-ops in uh, Poppentry in Dublin. Um, so you would sell it at cost price there or thereabouts, below 200000 for many, many houses. So that's the solution, I think. Public housing and a good mix of people from different backgrounds, a good social mix of um, council housing and affordable housing, which is genuinely affordable. Yeah, and protesting yesterday, what's the hope that you... that? the powers that be, the ones that can make those decisions are, you know, introduce a solution like you're suggesting, that they listen. Is, is, that the, is, that, is that what you hope yesterday would have achieved? OK, well, there's going to be a vote in the Dáil in about uh, 15 minutes' time. Um, it's going to be a vote on a motion which calls for a uh, state to double its spending on building uh, social housing next year. Um, that vote is going to be carried, I think, Fianna Fáil were under sufficient pressure from yesterday's protest that they're going to vote for that. So that vote's going to be carried. And the ball is then in government's court. Government has a choice. It can listen to the 10,000 plus people yesterday and the voice of the doll, or it can choose to carry on its merry path. Personally, I think they will probably carry on their merry path because they are really linked in with the big property developers, the big landlords, the big moneyed interests here. They want to keep the, the, the market um, um, game going on the housing front. But I think the problem for the government is that after yesterday, that if they ignore the wishes of people, that this protest movement is likely to grow and could get much bigger. Their concern is that it becomes a water charter-style movement. I, I think we're a little bit of a distance away from that yet in terms of size. But it does have the potential, because as Peter McVerry made the point very well yesterday, this is not just about the 10,000 people 
who are homeless and who are at the rough end of it. But it's about half a million or a million people uh, who are affected in one way or another, including half a million young people who are the lockdown generation, can't afford to buy, can't afford to rent. Well, you know, we often talk about that lost generation and, and we're regularly hearing from people contacting us to say that they've had to move home. We're talking about adult children in their 30s and even into their 40s saying, I've no choice anymore, can't afford accommodation where I'm living or I'm trying to save for a deposit. I have to move back home. And then, you know, the stories coming out of people who are finally, the few that are managing to get on the property ladder, they're going to be retired, Mick, and their mortgages still won't be paid. Yes. That's going to be a huge issue going forward. Yes, I, I, I think it's beginning to emerge now. The last census, um, central statistics, um, says that there are 500,000, half a million uh, young adults uh, who are living at home with their parents. Now, some of them may wish to do that. That yeah. may be their choice. And that's fine, yeah, but it's the ones that don't wish, or the parents don't wish that they were there. Yeah, that has to include hundreds of thousands of young people who, whatever about ever owning their own home and buying their own home, cannot even afford the rent. And some who, who, who say eventually, well, look, I can't be living with my parents up to my 30s, or in some cases up to my 40s, and who are going out and paying the rent, are being fleeced by landlords. I mean, the Irish Congress of Trade Unions did a, an online survey which found that uh, every second young person who replied to that um, had um, either borrowed money or sacrificed a basic thing in order to pay rent or mortgage in the last year. And by basic things, they were talking about the likes of food, heating and transportation. Mm -hmm. So this is a crisis which is sharpening and the government can listen to the people on the issue and if they don't, I think it's going to, to grow and to develop. And I think the idea of public housing on public land and taking on the big moneyed interests, including uh, the landlords, is, is, is going to feature strongly in this. OK, that's where we leave it. Listen, thank you for that. And uh, Mick, and thank you for joining us on the programme um, uh, this afternoon. Thank uh, good you, af- Patricia. Good afternoon to you. And by the way, we've had a warning in from Angarda Siakona Community Policing Unit. And this is for anybody listening who have got children who play. Well, I know adults play it as well, but a lot of children are addicted to this game called Fortnite. There's a, fro- a fraud warning. Um, if your children are playing Fortnite, beware fraudsters offering free V-Bucks. If you're playing Fortnite, you know what a V-Buck is. Uh, they are seeking access to your bank account and they create charges. Either might ask for your phone number or they're getting young people who've got access to mum or dad's credit cards because of Fortnite. They're asking people to sign up to premium rate subscriptions. You need to be very careful with your personal data. Uh, it's a, it's, it is a warning coming from Corner from the Community Policing Unit and it's coming out of Castle Bar in County Mayo but the fact that it's on the internet it will go uh, everywhere so please be very, very careful of that. Talk to your children who are playing Fortnite and tell them to be very careful about the kind of information that they're passing on, particularly if it's information to do with your credit card. Uh, Jack was on about jam, saying the Irish Sugar Company years ago, when they operated out of Mallow, when the sugar factory was there, they had a product uh, called Sure Set. It's still for sale and it's really good. That's for jam makers. You can get special sugar called Sure 
set. If you're one of the ones having problems with your jam actually uh, setting, thank you for that. The bickering, we were talking about the city and the county council. Uh, the bickering between city text, uh, the bickering between the city and the county council is what led to many thinking that getting rid of the old town councils would be a great idea, as there was always petty bickering about what patch of road, for example, near a town, what patch belonged to the county, what patch belonged to the urban district council, and they fought over who was responsible for it. God, I remember that well. I'll accept the way the agreement was drafted uh, may be causing problems, but if you remember the expansion and sun and fun of Cork and Dublin airports under Seamus Brennan, RIP, is a call was a cause of was all down to politics. Here we go again. Okay, and thank you to people who are taking time out to say best of luck for the awards tomorrow night. Appreciate that. What else is here? As a rural resident, I fail to understand what Deputy Michael Collins and Councillor Harley are talking about. The Ballancolic and other areas need massive financial investment, far outstripping the revenue from present industry. He is right about the way it's written, read the compensation, but that money may be needed for the expanded infrastructure, the expansion of the city and the extra population it will attract more industry to the suburbs than it would if it was part of Cork County Council. But my worry when I listened to Leo Radker last night and I thought this is all great, very positive news for the city and the expansion of the city. But to expand its population by 50% by 2040, now we're, we're, you know, 22 years away, it's not that far away to have this massive population expansion. And at the same time, while he's talking about that, outside the doors of Dáil Éireann are 10,000 people with that Raise the Roof rally in Dublin talking about homelessness and as you know Father come back to let me quote Father Peter McVeary yesterday he said the protest is not just about homelessness their protest is about housing because people can be housed but they're not in their forever home or they're not in any kind of a house if they're in private rented accommodation they are living in fear that that house could be taken away from him. And that, that, I think, was what Peter McVeary was talking about when he reckoned a half a million people are in housing that's causing them serious distress. You don't have to be just homeless. This is a much bigger picture. So if we are talking about expanding the city, which is great news and bring it on, we need to do that and back it up and make sure that there's adequate housing for the people that already live there and for this expansion that you're talking about by 50%, all those extra people, where are they going to live? And Pat on politicians says, Hi, Patricia, as bad as Fine Gael are... And they're bad, uh, and they're bad, says Pat. Uh, surely Michal Martin and his crew are a lot worse voting with them and then shouting from the re- rooftops about how bad Fine Gael are. Does that not smack of being a little bit hypocritical? And I've done that. Okay, 1850 just catching up on a lot of texts that came in today. And thank you, thank you. People have been... Uh, very busy texting and calling but we're going to take a break and we are back with our pet slot for this week so if you have a pet question for Jane 1850 you can ring John Paul with a pet question or you can text our WhatsApp 0862 
103 103. Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Hi, I'm Simon Murdoch. Join me for the all new Cork's More Music Breakfast on C103. I'll bring you all you need to know every morning and plenty of Cork's greatest hits. Turn on C103 and wake up with me. The all new Cork's More Music Breakfast. Weekday 6 to 10. Only on C103. And it is time for our veterinary slot on the programme. Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, joining me in studio. Good afternoon, Jane. Hi there. And you're very welcome. And uh, let's get straight into pet questions. And there's some that we didn't get to last week, and I promise the listeners we'll get straight to them this week. Firstly, hi, my Shih Tzu is fussy about eating. She eats very little. I've tried Wet food, dry food, but she's just so fussy. Any suggestions, please, from Jane on what to give her. She will eat food maybe one or two, but one or two days a week, she won't eat at all. Uh, she's been to the vet, all is good with her, nothing medically wrong with her, just a fussy eater. Mm. I think you're definitely on the right track. My first protocol there for a fussy eater would have been double checking that there's nothing else wrong, for example, teeth or any any disease that might make them go off their food. So I think you've done really, really well to take them to your vet, rule out that there's anything wrong. Um for a purely fussy eater that just is a little bit pernickety about what we have in the bowl. I think trying a variety of foods, but I think the important thing is to give them a little bit of time to adapt and get used to it. So I wouldn't, let's say, give one type of nut one day and then go, oh, she's not eating it and then change to something new the next day. I think really the key is giving them a little bit of time to adjust, but also transitioning the food carefully so if you're changing from one food to the next I'd maybe mix in let's say a quarter of the new food with three quarters of the old food and vice versa until you're back to until you're over to the new food and try something else sometimes you can do little things like for example fresh chicken breast just roasted with no oil absolutely no bones in there can be a really tasty thing for them and it's quite easy on the belly and sometimes if you mix that through food sometimes um, just to kind of get them onto the new one and get them liking the new thing and used to it that can help a little bit but I think if your pet does have any dietary intolerance it's obviously been very careful of those most pets are absolutely fine but I think just being careful with that and I think it's important to note as well that although we might be tempted to let's say give them lots of tasty things from the table that's kind of counterproductive in this situation because we want to get them onto a complete pet food diet because that's really balanced with all the vitamins and minerals that they need. they need. Yeah. Um, so really feeding them a complete dog food diet is, is yeah, the best way to go. I was going to say with a hunk where she's he or she's hungry enough that they'll eat. Yeah. Are, are that particular breed of dog Shih Tzus, are they noted for being fussy eaters? Are they? they can sometimes. Can they, yeah. I think sometimes it's a behavioural thing. So a lot of the times, let's say with the bigger dogs that might be outside a little bit more and kind of wolf down their food and are classically like the Labrador, for example, that we classically think eating everything is one thing but I think maybe some of the smaller dogs we, we think of as being a little bit pickier because they're around the house they sometimes get scraps from the table a little treat here and there so we kind they, of behaviourally mould them into wanting things. is the problem they, don't they? They do yeah. a little bit. They're part of the family but yeah. yeah. Um, and hi says Mike my sister got a Burmese mountain dog pup eight weeks old any do's or don'ts at this stage please? It's a big dog. It's a big dog. It is. And I think as long as you've looked into the breed and you know you have the space and also the time to give it the exercise, then you'll you'll be set up for a really fun little life. Bernie's Mantis dogs are really, really cute and they have great personalities. I think do's and do's at this point would be give it some structure to its day. Um, As an eight-week-old pup, it's going to have come from, let's say, a breeder and its mum and you're transitioning it into a home environment, possibly on its own, possibly with some other dogs. Um, So I think giving it routine, they're creatures of habit in the end of the day. So giving it a breakfast time, a time to go out and pee and poo, give it as many opportunities as you can to get the toilet training right. So take them out reasonably frequently um, so that they have the opportunity to do their business. But in the evenings, maybe taking them for a little potter around the garden, 
introducing them to the family, things like that. Um, and just, just make sure that they have a structure to their day and somewhere safe to go. So sometimes I say um, those little crates you can get, get for dogs, they're great. Not for, let's say, locking a pet in. That's not how I would use them. But use them as their own little den because sometimes they need quiet time. And I think our temptation is with a new pup to always want to have them out. But they are like babies. They do need sleep. They need rest. They need private time. So give them the time. That crate training. I, I know my son with his two uh, dogs, they're crate trained. And it's fantastic. Mm, it mm. is really fantastic. Because yeah. if, if, if they're very boi- boisterous and someone comes in that they're going to frighten, you can they can say bed and the two waddle off and they mm-hmm. head into bed. Exactly. And I think if you can get to them, them to a point where they really like the crate and it's their own little den, it's their own little playroom as it is, it's a safe space. They don't dread going into it. Yeah. I think I would leave, it would be the kind of thing I would leave open so they can almost use that as their bed yeah, the whole time. And they, they, they can yeah. go, go to sleep. But have fun. You're going, you're going, you're certainly going to have fun into yeah. the future with that dog. Um, Margaret in Middleton, I've got a pet cat and she's pulling the fur out at the moment. What could be causing it and why is she doing that? So I think there could potentially be a few things going on here. Um, Classically, if we think of uh, a pet pulling out fur, but in the absence of being itchy, so literally just pulling the fur out and over grooming, a lot of the time that's a behavioural problem. So sometimes we see cats over grooming as kind of a a stress kind of mechanism when something has changed in the house or something has changed in the family or the strange noises that there was in there before. Sometimes they'll try and distract themselves and over groom and sometimes that can kind of manifest it as pulling their hair out. So we end up Mm. with a very bold cat in the easy to reach pace. I wonder if that's where the saying came from, pulling your hair out. Pulling your hair out, you never know. It could have been a cat once upon a time. It might be. (laughs) I think the other thing I'd be worried about is just to make sure that it's not pulling the fur out because there's an underlying itch or scratch there. So I think just ruling out the simple things with your vet like parasites or any allergies um, or any reasons for itching there, any contact dermatitis, so an irritation from any chemicals in the household or anything, for example, something has changed. Popping to your vet just to rule out that there's no itching cause would be the best thing. If it is purely behavioural, there's lots of things we can do. cats are really susceptible to stress so kind of keeping everything as calm and as similar as possible for them but there's other things you can do so give them somewhere safe to hide away don't always be trying to give them lots of attention to distract them but also you can get little plug-in kind of pheromones that are kind of happy cat hormones and they can kind of soothe the bumps as it were if there's stressful situations going on so have a chat to your vet I think would be the best thing and and we will in the the coming weeks uh, just give word of warnings with Halloween coming up and bangers going off because that causes huge problems Mm -hmm. uh, for our pets Lucy's in Douglas I have a Labrador four year old Labrador uh, always very well behaved dog but recently when we're going out for walks in the park he wants to run off I always have him on a lead but but recently he started pulling me in another direction why is he doing this he is neutered by the way why would Mm. he suddenly start pulling on the lead in the park if it's a sudden thing and he's a four-year-old dog and it's not just like let's say a bit of adolescence and being a bit boisterous then you have to wonder what's changed is it something in the way you're walking with him are you walking somewhere new is there new dogs around um out in the park let's say or let's say is he being left off the lead less often now so he needs he has more steam to burn off as it was so he's pulling you around in different directions or is he afraid of something if he's pulling you in in the opposite direction where you want to walk is there something that's scaring him a little bit in the direction he perceives that you're about to go to um I think it's a difficult one. There could be lots of things going on here, and particularly if it's a sudden issue. Mm. Um, it's probably something that needs to be dealt with. I suppose for your sake, as taking him for a walk, you want to be calm and relaxed and enjoy that time with your pet. But also for him, if there's an underlying kind of anxiety there or anything he's worried about or painful for, um, then getting to the bottom of that is really essential. I think the best thing to do in this situation, because it can be so complex, um, is maybe talk to your vet about who they would recommend as a, a dog trainer or an animal behaviourist. Now, making sure that you have somebody that's appropriately qualified is, is really yeah. 
important because you need to get the right advice um and your own vet will be able to guide you towards somebody who they've used before and who they would recommend um, and find good. But I think a lot of the time you need to be there in the situation. So having somebody come out with you and see exactly what's happening in the park, what are the it's triggers surrounding one, it? Isn't it? Particularly yeah. like if it was if she was just it was a new dog or a mm. young dog, but for a dog that's been doing to yeah. suddenly start it, it's uh, let us know um, how you get on, mm. Lucy. Um, Anne has been on. I've got a problem with a Labrador, eighteen month old, fighting with the older house dog. Now the problem is the older house dog has a chronic back problem, and I'm afraid that the Labrador will hurt this dog. Uh, I rescued the Labrador about six months ago, and I'm now starting to be afraid that she may have been behaviour problems, uh, especially when my grandchildren are due to come home to spend time with us on holidays. What can I do? Mm, this is a really difficult one. Um, I think firstly, from the point of view of the older dog with the potential back problems, you need to make sure that that pet is quite safe and comfortable in their own home. Um, so giving giving them time and space to take a little rest and maybe uh, on the on the flip side, taking the rescued Labrador out for extra walks, maybe to burn off some steam so they don't, they're not feeling so boisterous when they're in the home. But if there is real aggression going on between the two of them, I would say you need to keep both of them safe give them some space and also make sure that they have double of everything so they all have their own bowls they all have their own beds they're separated adequately so they have some time and space to be away if they're not quite getting on at the moment I think they're incredibly adaptable little creatures dogs much better than we are so I think time can do a lot but I think if there is real aggression involved particularly if there's going to be grandchildren around I think same goes for this situation as the last. I would be inclined dog to trainer. get your vet and an animal behaviourist involved. Uh, but, but, but a dog being aggressive towards an, towards another dog does not necessarily mean that he's going to be aggressive towards children. No. But you just don't know. You just don't know. And I think yeah. if you're bringing kids into the equation, I'd be I'd be particularly careful. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. You've got an open day at the the vet centre tomorrow. Tell us we what's do. happening. So tomorrow we're having an open open day at our practice in Newmarket at the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital. And the idea is really we just want to get to know the the local clients and people in the area. We have lots of tea and cakes and also some draws and prizes going on in the day. So we just want to get to know you all. So pop along anytime. So just anyone, anyone can come in. Anyone can pop in. And tea and cakes for everybody. Exactly. Except not giving tea and cakes to 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 the dogs. No. No. We might have biscuits ready yeah. for that. Okay. All right. <laughs> Listen, thank you for that, um, uh, Jane. And we'll talk to you next uh, Thursday. That's Jane Pickett from the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. OK, that's where we leave you for today. My thanks to uh, John Paul McNamara for producing. Uh, did I give the names of the winners? I did, but somebody's asked me to call them out again. I will. This is our competition that we have in association with the Everyman for the Nightingale and the Rose. Um, double pair, uh, a pair of tickets, along with dinner for two at Green's restaurant and our winner today uh, winners Elena Regan in Bishopstown and Elena O'Connell in Dunamore congratulations to you both we'll do it all over again tomorrow Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we're back with you for the final one of the week tomorrow morning at uh, 10 o'clock look forward to your company until then uh, I'm Patricia Messenger Hi this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.